Okay, before we get into the meat of this episode, we are going to be uh, just trying to do a little update because I realize we often like say we're going to do stuff and then we don't actually tell you what we did if we did anything and it also holds us accountable to getting things done. So this is a brief update on Equifax and trying to get credit freezes. Yes, Equifax uh, and the other uh, two major credit agencies, which I re- realize is um, uh, revealing our domicile, um, if not our <laughs> geographical location. But nonetheless, uh, so, so it is. Uh, this is something that every security, uh, safety, financial safety cautious person should do um, in order to prevent people from taking out credit in your name. Uh, it is the single biggest uh, cause of identity or vector of identity theft. And so it's a pretty low-hanging fruit thing that you uh, should do. And I think you, you mentioned there were two others but didn't say what they are. Uh, TransUnion uh, and... Um, Experian? Uh, Experian. Right. Experian, right. Right. So you said that gave us away. So does that mean we can no longer moonlight as Canadians, eh? Uh, yes, I believe so. <laughs> okay. We are citizens of the United States. We're going to admit it now. All right. Yeah. It, it was uh, fun playing for a while. Uh, there are probably other ways and other methods that one does this in other places because wherever people are getting credit, especially unsecured credit, which represented by credit cards, there have to be somebody who's vetting the, reli- the reliability of people. And so I imagine this takes different form in different places. But it's something that in the United States anyway, um, due to forced requirements, these agencies have to give you the option to freeze your credit. Right. So we are taking advantage. We are exercising that, uh, if not God-given, government-given right. Excuse me. So I had already procured my TransUnion and Experian credit freezes. Those were relatively painless, but Equifax is a bear. And this is how it actually played out. I had to write the whole thing down to keep track of it because it was so niggly and back and forth. So I could not get the website to work for me to give me a credit freeze. So I had to call them. Uh, They sent me a link then over the phone, like while I was on the phone with them to upload a photo of the front and back of my driver's license, as well as a selfie I had to take right then to compare with the photo on the driver's license. Which is what they would have you done anyway. That's They, 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 they do this thing where they, they verify your identity, your KYC, you know your customer identity. Okay. Well, it didn't actually work because like I had to use my smartphone to like take the selfie and take the photos and then like try to upload them and to my computer. And all of this computer. is leaking all kinds of data. Yeah, who knows what it was leaking. So anyway, like the, the I have to say the customer service rep was very nice, uh, very South Indian. <laughs> and um, But he worked with me and when I was really having a lot of trouble still even doing it this way, he said there was another option. I've been discovering this, like, if you just are incompetent at certain things, there's often another less invasive option. You remember I talked about that with our COVID app to come into our country of residence? Like, because it was such a pain, they were like, well, you can just fill out a form. And I'm like, I'll fill out a form. Okay. So anyway, this time he said, we could ask you questions about your credit history. And if you answer them correctly, we'll consider that verification. And they were like very vague sort of question so I it was like in the past 10 years had I ever had a bank student or car loan and if so what was the monthly payment do I have a credit cash or store charge card now and if so what is the monthly payment and um, basically trying to ask you questions that would be vague that you would really have to know something about they weren't specific ones but just general ones yeah and it was interesting I've noticed this before with other like I don't exactly remember what it was for but other like 
um, financial or government verification things, there are questions where there's often no correct. Like, I've had, I feel like I remember I've had, had sequence of questions where like all five of them were none of the above. Right. Which is interesting because that, that clearly is the better way to catch out someone in a lie. And yeah. you often see this like in movies, you know, yeah, like there you must mentioned. be some science behind this that they do it yeah. this way. So anyway, but I only had to answer two questions before they were sure it was me, which is really interesting that that is as good as a driver's license. All this stuff is anyway, that's why there's identity theft problems, because people are able to fool other people. Yes, that, that, that's the history of the human race. So anyway, and then once that was through, he was he tried to sell me a credit lock instead of a credit f- freeze. Well, we that's exactly what happened to me. Exactly. Well, you, it happened to you online rather than on online, the phone. Right. And so I immediately interrupted him and said, isn't it true that a freeze is free? But there's a word free and freeze. But a lock costs something. And he said yes. And I said no, thank you. And that was it. So now I have my Equifax credit freeze. Right. However, you have been trying to do the same for our not yet 18-year-old child. Right. So why don't you tell that why that is still inconclusive? It's uh, a bit bizarre. I also, with both TransUnion and Experian, sent in a letter. I haven't actually heard back from them um, about it, so I'm hoping that it's put in place. Uh, but I haven't got a rejection. Uh, but for uh, Equifax, again, uh, I sent a letter with the proper documentation to the right place. And they sent a letter back saying, we need further documentation. So I sent the letter with the further documentation that they asked for to the address that was on the Well, and wasn't one of them like you needed verification of his street address? But like, it's not like he pays the power bill at our U.S. address, right? Like, and he doesn't have a driver's license yet. So actually like proving his address Independently, yeah, he, without yeah, reference get a to his parents, bill at our yeah. at our domicile address. So yes, that is um, a bit of a pain. Um, but anyway, I, I, I but I did I do have um, a bank account, uh, a minor investment account, a minor oh yeah uh, right. investment account in his name uh, that I point, point printed that out. But it didn't matter because it all came back after six weeks. Right. Well, because it had to be returned to our country Inter- of residence. Right. Um, and um, it just came back saying undeliverable at this this address. It was like the yellow sticker, yeah, yeah, the send, automatic one. The automatic it's the it's the Elvis song. It probably return to sender, address unknown, no such number, no such yeah, zone, and, and, unable. And I, and I wrote very legibly, which I often don't. Um, so, <laughs> well, and it said unable to forward, which right. is really weird because it said Equifax Information Services LLC. And this is the clincher. You wrote down the address that is on the form on the Equifax website saying where to send it. So it's yes. not like you just like looked it up and got the wrong information. It is what they themselves provide as the address. Yes. So anyway, they, they seem to be unwilling or um, resistant anyway to uh, giving a credit freeze out. And I'm guessing we're going to have further problems because... Oh, who knows why? Well, I so because I, I'm just sending I'm sending in the same form that I sent in last time, which whatever already two months or two and a month, two and a half months ago already. Yeah, and now we're trying the the main office of Equifax in Atlanta. So yeah, who, who we'll knows see. if they even accept mail? Yeah, and I, we put in a cover letter saying this address, this is what the post office told us. So you need to update could, what's on your the, website. The, the Occam's Razor 
reason for that is probably that there was some glitch in the post office system, but given that Equifax must receive thousands of these things, it's hard to believe that that would be a problem. No, I think, well, I, I think this is the important thing is that- But it wasn't the, open. They had not, nobody had opened it. But this is how credit agencies make money. Like your freezing your account deprives them of money, which right. honestly is the main reason to do it <laughs> because right. it is- I, I understand there's a deep, there's an ancient, not ancient, but there's a long-standing practice of credit because actually it is risky to lend out money and Especially it makes sense. unsecured loans for which are credit cards, right? There's nothing yeah. backing them. Right. So I understand why these exist, but like many things, it's grown to this monstrous proportion and is exploitative and makes money off of your data without you even knowing it. Because everyone, I mean, everyone ends up in the system without they're necessarily yeah. even knowing that they're in and the system. And these are just the ones, I, I'm, I'm more comfortable with these particular ones because they are under a lot of scrutiny. Everybody knows about them. Um, it's all of the dozens and hundreds of other littler ones that nobody's even paying attention to that I'm a little more concerned about. Um, um, it was, in fact, a big deal when Equifax had a data breach. Um, but there are smaller, lesser-known entities that are like having these things all the time, and I'm a little more worried about those than these ones, which, which are under public scrutiny. Yeah, and there's no way that you can like keep up and do freezes on every little startup company that tries to do credit Yeah, stuff. a lot of them owned in, owned in companies domiciled in strange countries. Cayman Islands. Cayman Islands, well, that's whatever. just fine. That's other places, yeah. and a lot of them, if you start digging down, they're basically intelligence gathering for um, state actors or criminal organizations. So. Anyway, so I think the point is just, again, it's going to be kind of a pain in the butt, but this is a really basic and important way to protect your financial identity and to stick it to the man. Yeah. And eventually, we're going to get to the process of um, getting rid of your information at data brokers, um, and that is something that is possible, uh, but it takes a long time, um, and we will get there eventually. We're not there yet. I haven't done it yet. I'm a little intimidated, and it's one of these long... Well, we still have to deal with Google, so yeah, well, we have we're going to try to do that first. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now on to the main topic. Um, this, um, so cashless in Sweden is the, that's our episode title, and the reason why is because recently I took a trip to Sweden from our country of residence, and um, I had I've been there before, and I discovered in my you know little desk drawers that I had a ten krona. Um, coin. So I was like, great, I'm going to spend this when I get there. So, um, and then I thought, you know, I'd probably have to take out some cash. But not long after I arrived, my lovely host started informing me that Sweden has taken a very dramatic turn towards attempting to become a cashless society. Is that because cash produces a lot of CO2? <laughs> yes, and many cows are harmed in the making of cash. Uh, okay. <laughs> Yes. So Sweden definitely has a lot of um a lot of social justice attitude <laughs> in various ways. Kind of heavy-handed. Well, that is it is the origin of the word flight shaming. True. That comes yeah. from Sweden. Right. And Greta, Greta Thunberg, our uh, eco-warriors from well, there. I would just like to say, I think Greta Thunberg is one of the most exploited children in the history of humanity. She is not a hero. She's an exploited little girl. And it's shame on all of the people who made her a mascot. 
Um, but anyway, also, I took great joy in eating as much meat as possible when I was in Sweden. Um, <laughs> overall, I had a lovely time and I was with lovely people. I had a great experience there. But this was really now that I'm kind of like um, attuned to these things, I was very fascinated. So I was like, tell me more. Why is there no cash here? And so basically, you know, it's, there isn't there is no cash. Nobody was using. Cash. No, no, no. There is cash. Okay, okay. but I'm going to get to that. So like, but this is interesting. So in my understanding in the United States, you have to accept cash if you are undertaking any financial transactions. It has to be an option because it is a recognized legal tender of the United States of America. Yeah, I think that's and the that, case in a lot of places that uh, that have... Um, yeah, well, and huge amounts of transactions don't happen with cash. Right. However, cash is valid regardless. You can't not accept cash. Like right. That's just part of doing business. Well, what's happening in Sweden now is not only are they very actively promoting cashless options. So obviously it's like a debit card or a credit card right. or like the equivalent of like a transit card. I think you yeah, can put cash on. Basically have a, in our a, country of residents, there are many places you can use a transit card to pay for other things yeah, as well. It's a sort of um, a, a cash card. It's a very, a very simple system that just right. it off. However, they also have a lot of places that won't accept cash at all. You can only put pay by card. Okay. And so this is to, you know, reduce the transaction cost of cash. So for yeah. instance, on the bus system in the city I was staying in, you could only pay with a credit card or presumably a transit card. I didn't have one because I wasn't there for very long. Right. You could not pay with cash. There was no way to do cash. Now, of course, to have like either the bus driver accept cash and like, you know, Put out change or no, have a machine there, there, that does there's it. A, there's a cost to cash uh, to managing right, it. A transaction cost. A trans right. picking, picking it up and bundling the coins and transporting it in armored vehicles and um, getting rid of the old torn bills and printing the new one. I mean, there's 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 a, there's an overhead or seniorage, I guess you might call it. Yeah, and their systems are very smooth. It, like literally, you just like tap down yeah, just like your credit your, card and you know, just thing. like that. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not like you have to wait and yeah. sign and everything. So why are you bringing this up? What's the problem? Well, okay, so two interesting things I heard from people there, um, and then one uh, observation of my own. The first is that this is really great for. Uh, well-to-do young Swedish citizens or middle-aged Swedish citizens. Right. It is super hard for old people to figure out. Why, why is that? Because old people don't adapt well to technological okay. change. Okay. Come on, you know, like, as I often r remark or remember with affection, my grandfather, who managed to figure out solitaire and email on his computer, sitting me down once solemnly and saying, Sarah, where exactly is cyberspace? <laughs> And my it's an outdoors backyard. <laughs> and my grandmother saying, "Why is email so unforgiving? You get one letter or number wrong, and it goes to the wrong person, or it comes back to you. Like if I misaddress an envelope, the postman can figure it out. Though evidently not delivering it to Equifax. So, um, <laughs> yes. So actually, it says a lot of older people in Sweden have a really hard time with this, or okay. they've never been primarily card users. They've always right. been cash users. Right. And it like, was it formerly a very heavily cash society? Everywhere was a heavily cash well, society mean, until yeah, recently. But like you know, yeah. like we've traveled in Germany, yeah. and we remember a time not that long ago when you practically couldn't pay with a card. Yeah, they had a system there. I think they were. Um, you could use the basic your Mastercard and Visa and American Express. You know, at, at bigger places, but a lot of smaller places didn't accept it. They had be partly because there are fees attached to it. There's there are. Right. I mean, the overhead for using a credit card is for the merchant somewhere between one and a half and 
3-4% depending on the size and what kind of contract they've been able to negotiate. And I think in Germany they basically would have made that impossible. And so a lot of places wouldn't accept a typical credit card. And so you had to use cash. We right. had to use cash. But I think that shows that now the transaction cost associated with paying for anything right. has just been shifted over to credit card and bank fees, which are Rather than the, either paid by the merchant or more likely rolled into the price, but you don't see it in the price because it seems very smooth and convenient. Yeah, well, there's always going to be a certain amount. And I think it's over, we'll have to over time figure out what, in fact, is is a, is a smaller amount. I mean, obviously, there, like we discussed, there is an overhead to dealing dealing with the cash. Um, but but that's not actually the main the main subject here. Okay. Um, well, and also, it's a problem for immigrants, right. refugees, or people who are not integrated Why? into the banking system. Ah, because they don't have a bank account. They don't have a credit history. But can't they, they use cash to like, charge up one of these things? Or don't uh, they like give it like from their social services handout? Because I imagine it's from Sweden. They probably get some kind of a income. I did not hear all the details, but all I know it makes it considerably more difficult for people who don't have this. And Sweden now has the largest rate of non-Sweden, like non-in-country born residents, because they took in so many yeah, immigrants and refugees. Country in Europe, maybe outside of Switzerland or something. It's a lot. No, they said it is actually by now the largest. Yeah, it has a few, almost a quarter of the people. And they've are. been fairly poor at integration efforts because they thought it was too colonialist to force their immigrants to learn Swedish or something like this, which is like preposterous to an extreme degree. Anyway, that's changing and um, which is good. But anyway, I think this actually points these two examples, old people and immigrants shows up that these kind of um, what appear to be technological innovations are actually ways of blocking people out of the system and making it more difficult for them to participate in the economy. You mean and they're exclusive? exclusive? I know. It's so ironic, isn't it? <laughs> Nordic liberals. You wouldn't to, have thought. Supposed to be inclusive digital cash. I bet they use the word inclusive somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure. But like, so this is the near end, the far end of which is like when the Ottawa truckers um, protest or the whole Canadian truckers oh, yeah, yeah, protest. That's, that's, that's a long thing. So that, that, that's a, a big, big gap here. Let's start from... No, I'm just saying the the cashless in Sweden is the near end, the far end of which is okay, what? blocking people out of the financial system when their money goes through oh, non-cash delib- means. Okay, deliberately. That's what I'm. I, I, I'm not saying. I'm not comparing the two. I'm saying they're on a long continuum. Okay, and but, but why why do you bring up the latter one? Because it's a way when money is primarily electronic rather right. than cash, right. you can easily block people out of the economy. Okay. So okay. clearly in Sweden, they're not trying to block people out of the economy. But the effect is if you have to have an electronic system hmm. and you do not have cash, you the practical effect is to block people from economic transactions okay. and make it difficult for them. That Yeah, I, that to me is less... To me, that's. I think those over time. I, I'm not so much so concerned about that. I think that will be worked out. I think in the short term, yes. But I'm more concerned about the second, which is it is true that the uh, the truckers in Ottawa were um, shut out of their bank accounts and received from getting money because it was all electronic. Right. And that to me is a. Um, and the fact is also that these uh, electronic forms of payment are fully traceable, at least as far as I know. Um, I know the cards that we use for our transit here in our city have a number attached to them, and that number um, writes down where you 
badge it uh, and the, the station you get on, the station you get off, and if you want to buy a soda with it, it marks it with whatever station that is. If you buy a haircut with it, it you know marks you know it, it's a cash card, but it's recording all the transactions, and those are stored in some database somewhere. And the card itself is anonymous; it's not attached to your identity, but it would be quite easy to um, recognize a pattern. And even if you got a new card. Um, the pattern is already established, and so it would be pretty pretty easy to go from the old card um, to a new card and recognize that okay, here's this 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 card must be attached to this person because they have the same pattern. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So the, right, and so there are technological ways of anonymizing these sorts of things, but I'm imagining they're not. I don't know if they're doing that or not. I don't think it's like truly anonymous the way cash is. I mean, it's it's, it's a kind of surveilled. Um, it's 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 a potential vector for surveillance and control yeah and at this point like i think when you use a credit card it's the store and the amount it's not itemized that the right, store which has is access why they to. want you to get the the um rewards card or the fidelity card because exactly. then they record not just the amount but every single transaction and then they're able to target marketing to you and right. develop a profile on you for so, other, that they sell to other merchants as well right so another thing if you don't want to give money to the man with your data don't have rewards cards or stop using them if you do have them whatever pittance you are getting in deals is nothing compared to what they are making off of selling your marketing well data. they wouldn't do it if they didn't make money off of it um and i think people have a hard time understanding that principle um, so. Yeah, I mean, it may in certain senses, uh, it may make sense for certain people in certain cases. So I, I, I don't, I'm not blaming. Well, you should I'm, just know what you're doing, though. Yeah. You know but what you you're, you're, you're doing. You're agreeing to be tra tracked and your transactions um, recorded and your profile being made on you. Yeah. Um, and that's being sold and. And so basically, if you eventually move toward a cashless society, what that means is every single transaction is recorded and can be correlated with your true identity and used in who knows what, you know, fairly innocent marketing ways or fairly nefarious, you know, profiling kind of ways. Yeah, when, when our Western constitutions and those based upon them were made that talked about freedom of um, assembly and freedom of expression, of course, at the time, all money was cash, right? There was, right. I mean, there was a lot of credit, of course, yeah. that was going around for larger transactions. But you, there was no, like, you couldn't just block somebody's gold coin from being, <laughs> right? or right. even even paper credit from going from one person to another. This wasn't impossible. But now, um, when you can do that, it really changes the definition of freedom of expression. Because expression can also be a transactional in the form of a, a, you know, buying something, right. right? And so if you're blocking that, if you can just simply turn the switch, uh, which is going on in um, China, um, uh, then uh, that creates a very new situation. Right. So just, uh, we can return to this topic another time, just a, a couple more things. Um, another is that one of my hosts told me that having a cashless society also makes the whole system really vulnerable to hacking. Yeah. And there was this one event where he was in a grocery store when somehow the whole system went down and they could not accept any card-based transactions, but hardly anyone had cash. He said he yeah. makes a point of carrying cash, yeah. and so he could check out, but almost everybody else had to stop, could not make their payments, and like for a day and a half, the whole system was down. So you better believe the more a society goes towards cashless, the more incentive there is for hackers to figure out how to attack and interfere with the system, and you can just immobilize an economy if everything is electronically based, and again, there's no cash. Yeah, there's 
th this is a problem with all electronic systems, and the more centralized it is, the bigger a problem it is. I mean, even something like the Bitcoin, net Bitcoin network, which is extremely decentralized, um, it would be possible locally to prevent certain things from happening unless you had people with a really high level of operational security. I mean, of course, there are always people that can get through it, but if this is going to be adopted en masse, um, it's going to be a real problem. Um, the more centralized it is. Um, there are, again, technical solutions for that, um, but I'm pretty sure that these are more centralized solutions that are being um, put in. And well, yeah, because it's the government initiative to go as cashless as possible. Yeah, and, well, they're probably not doing it. They're probably hiring companies who have experience doing this elsewhere, like in you know in Korea or um, yeah. in Hong Kong or. And I just want to say, like, for all the people who have mental images of like huge suitcases or briefcases full of cash for like drug transactions and stuff, like those guys are gonna find a way to trade money anyway. So it's not like getting rid of cash and recording all transactions means drug dealers will go out of business because they have no way of secretly making their transfers anymore. Yeah, well, like, okay. it's still gonna happen. Just one more thing. We're, we say this as people who use credit cards all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, many of our transactions, by monetarily, by far, the greatest uh, quantity of uh, money that we spent is, is, is uh, spent cashless. And so I'd like actually for us as a challenge at some point to, for a month or something like that, to try mm -hmm. to spend uh, all of our money in cash. We fortunately live in a, in a country where cash is... Um, uh, is accepted everywhere and very large bills you can bring to very small shops and yeah. they'll, they'll know how to give you change they won't yeah americans will know how hard it is to break a 50 much less a 100 whereas where we are now they will accept very large denomination of bills yeah without difficulty I, and in fact i pay our monthly bills in cash i um, right. uh, i do that um at the uh, convenience store right though it is kind of weird to me that you can't set up automatic well, although it's not account. really, I'm paying in cash, but it's obviously they're recording where I'm doing it, and you know it's, That's it's true. only semi. It's not anonymous because I mean those, the bills are tied to our address. So. Right, right. Okay. The last thing I just wanted to say about the cashless thing is that so I spent my ten krona coin on something, you know, some like cards or something that I found, and it was exactly ten krona, so that was nice. Used it up, um, but then later on I saw um, just a little booth set up that was selling dried chanterelle mushrooms which are not easy to find where we live now. A booth? Yeah, just like set up somewhere. Okay. And, you know, it was just on your honor, just drop the coin in. And you didn't have any coins. And I didn't have any coins. And then I was thinking about like, well, if I take cash out, then I have to spend the cash so you or can't... bring it home. And, and I just realized... And you didn't have a little cashless kiosk there for you to... Well, that's exactly it. The other thing that cashless does is it blocks out small scale neighborly... Um, right. trade between right. people and like again where we live right now there's actually lots of fruit and vegetable booths out and about and you can you know just pay Drop in cash money. they often have vending machines so you can like put the coins in and so forth um or you know like places there's still machines but it's not right. like electronically recording right. what right. you're doing um but i was just that was kind of what really got to me again is that this is a way of making sure all trade is formal and recorded right and the idea of like i don't know like so much of our lives is being rerouted through other mediums that the idea of not being able to do just basic trades of small scale items or like how would you have a yard sale or something <laughs> you know if everything would do people would people yeah, have to have like a card reader re at home and would it be automatically reported to the uh, tax authorities exactly if, for anything you know this is the issue too right um, right this is like a it's a tax collector's dream and a, 
uh, dictator's wet dream and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and freedom's nightmare <laughs> and freedom's nightmare right so so again there are technical solutions to some of these um problems uh that are based upon old systems of um xiaomi and e-cash um that can be done um, anonymously and there were systems in place that we were talking about actually before um 9-11 happened um, and mm-hmm. before the big, actually, it was before the scare over 2000, uh, the, the year 2000 bugs mm-hmm. uh, turned all technical oh, attention right. towards that. There were actually systems in place to, to institute eCash um, that were done on very secure cryptographic principles that would, would have been quite anonymous. Um, but that kind of got scuppered. So, alas. Alas. So, we, we, I would love to see things like that resurrected. It can be very simple, it can be very distributed. Um, but the systems that are being offered right now are um, not. I'm curious, actually, in Sweden. Sweden is quite a privacy-conscious country. A number of the privacy companies, I'm um, thinking of uh, uh, like Ubico and Molvad are, is a famous um, VPN service that's very privacy-focused, is based in Sweden, and they have good legislation, I guess. So I'm just curious if they're not maybe inter- doing something quite cryptographically sophisticated there. Well, as I can imagine, since I saw lots of vegan restaurants, but there was plenty of meat for sale, I'm sure that just as certain aspects of the society are more surveillance-oriented, there are also people who are fighting back, which is a good definition of a free society, that you actually can develop ways um, to resist the system. um, Let's just say, mm, not yet. (laughs) Well, it shouldn't be cashless. There's no problem having different ways of paying besides cash, but, you know... When it comes up at a dinner party, should we become a cashless society? Listeners, you know the answer is no way, man. Keep the cash. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind cashless if, if nobody knew who was transacting with anybody else and um, no, no, nobody knew how much you had. I think it's really useful to have actual cash for the small-scale neighborly interactions. I would not want to see that disappear. Right. I don't either. Okay. Be, right. be, be good neighbors. How about be that be neighbors. our tip for this episode? Use All right. cash. Use cash. Till next time.